Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Daddy Batten Fight Show. And uh, we are live doing an extra show, talking tonight's UFC card from Fight Island, which included a few British fighters, a very fun card to watch, and uh, an impressive performance in the main event again, for the second time in a couple of days that we've had a really impressive main event performance by uh, Michael Chiesa today, uh, following on from Max Holloway on the weekend. But uh, this show is available live on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter or Periscope. Uh, so spread the word, share it with people, get involved. But uh, Ace Podcast Nation also your home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. So uh, do give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's still the most direct way to uh, support the channel and the show. And, of course, if you want to stick to MMA and streamline your experience, you can follow uh, the Danny Batten Fight Show on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Danny Batten FS. Uh, the links to everything's in the description as well. But uh, with no further ado, joining me is the legend himself, former Cage Warriors champion, a true legend of UK MMA. It is Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, right, sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, very, very good. Um, you know, a bit, little bit different having a fight show to cover midweek, but it's all good. Yeah, we don't um, we don't often get the opportunity to watch the UFC live. Uh, the closest thing we get normally get is like a Cage Warrior show and stuff like that. But um, it's nice, isn't it, to, to watch a show and then go live straight after, talk about sure. it. Sure. I wish we could do it more often, but I'm too old <laughs> and I have too many kids to stay up till like five, six in the morning. Like, the main card on Saturday for the Conor McGregor card starts at 3 in the UK. 
There's no way I can stay up that late, mate. No way. <laughs> so, uh, we'll be back in our normal slot of recording Sunday out Wednesday. And, of course, we've got a, a very special guest joining us next week for next week's show. And that is uh, Cage Warriors flyweight champion, Mr. Jake Hadley. I know you're excited to... Uh, yeah, that's good. Us. Yeah, yeah, I've never spoke to him in person. And uh, it'd be great to, to get to know the, the character who's no doubt going to be famous, super famous in the near, very near future. I have no doubts about that with this young talent yeah he's a he's a very very impressive young man and um, of course don't think it'll be long till we see him in the ufc to be perfectly honest and uh, i'm yeah i'm looking forward to talking to him talking about his career and his uh, his rise to the championship his championship fight with luke shanks recently and of course then we also have uh, the uh, conor mcgregor card fights and all the other fights to talk about uh, which would be very interesting but uh, yeah. let's get into uh, tonight's UFC. Uh, what were your overall just thoughts of the show? Did you enjoy it? What did you think of the fights just generally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had some finishes and we uh, had some fights that went the distance, which were really close technically. There were some good performances. Yeah, I just, just think we had been a little bit spoilt with that Holloway Qatar match. But hmm. um, yeah, nevertheless, it was still a good event with some good performances. Yeah, 100%. So... We're going to, we, as you know, regular listeners will know, we don't normally talk too much about the prelims unless there's some uh, some British talent or some talent that we're particularly keeping an eye on uh, taking part. And there was a few of those in tonight's uh, prelims. First and foremost, we had um, Khabib's brother uh, fought Sergei Morosov with Khabib's brother Umar picking up the victory. I don't know if it's his brother or his cousin, so I apologise about that. But um, he uh, won by a rear naked choke towards the end of the second round. Looked very impressive, very similar to, to Khabib in many ways. Uh, Khabib was there as well, which I found very interesting because uh, obviously a certain Mr. McGregor arrived uh, in Dubai earlier on today. So I wonder if they'll cross paths and say hello, but you never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, a good, uh, a good performance by Uma. Um, I expected him to win, uh, honestly, and I think... The UFC probably expected him to win, judging by the fact that he was only second fight in, I think. Um, and then we had what, in my opinion, I know you haven't seen this one, Mick, but um, in my opinion, this was fight of the night easily. It was such a good fight. Phenomenal. Uh, Welshman Mason Jones was defeated by uh, Mike Davis by unanimous decision. 29-28 uh, across the board. It was a close fight, a very enjoyable fight. Um, I thought, and I know a few other people thought that Mason won. Um, and, you know, I did wonder if I was being a bit biased, mate, because obviously he's a friend of the show he's been on before, came on with his title belts. But um, I didn't know if I was being biased, but I haven't spoken to you and you've spoken to a couple of people and I've spoken to a couple of other fighters and everyone seems to be of the same opinion that Mason won two rounds and yeah. uh, Mike Davis won the other. is. Yeah, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Um, Mason took, as you'd expect, took it on the chin. Didn't uh, didn't complain, but he was very impressive, mate. It's just the the speed and the, and the constant pressure for three rounds, just non-stop pushing forward. Yeah. Um, you've got to be, you must be so fit, so fit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Look, it's disappointing from the fact that he's lost this unbeaten record. It's his debut in the UFC. It's not like the fairy tale debut that perhaps we all expected that you're hoping for, but he was so impressive in defeat that I don't think he's going to worry about too much. 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, if he's had a great performance and he feels that within himself, and, you know, especially that many people are commenting that they feel that he won two of the three rounds. I mean, it's obviously a very, very close fight. Um, there's, there's a few good things that can come of that. You know, one that he's put up a great performance no matter what, and it was that close that some people think they edged it. And the other part is that he no longer has to carry that pressure of trying to maintain that unbeaten record. Yeah. And that could actually, in a weird way, do wonders for him. Although he seemed to fight like he had no care in the world what his record was because he just no puts fear, everything no. on the line, every punch, every kick, every knee, every takedown attempt. He just puts everything into everything that he does. So look, he's going to have a fantastic career. Let's not you know, be moping about, about that defeat so much. It was a great performance nevertheless, it seems. And yeah, um, I'll, so I'll have more to say about it, obviously, when I watch it. Yeah, loads of positives yeah. to take, mate. Um, and definitely fight of the night for me. It was phenomenal great. fight for both yeah. guys. Like Mike Davis impressed me as well, I've got to say. I didn't yeah. know a great deal about him beforehand. Um, and I thought he was outstanding as well. So mm. I'll be lucky keeping a very close eye, obviously, on both those guys. Excuse me. Going forward, um, very, very good. Um, next up, we had Figueredo, the current flyweight champion. His brother, Francis Francisco, defeated Jerome Riviera by unanimous decision. Again, it was 29-28 across the board. Um, but it was really impressive. Uh, Figueredo looked the real deal, i got to say. His, mm. uh, his BJJ, as you'd expect, was sensational. Uh, mm. He was so quick. Uh, a really, really enjoyable fight. And I think you'll enjoy that one because there's uh, yeah. a, lot of, uh, a lot of things you want. Um, uh, uh, Gaz there says uh, Mason was robbed. Great fight, easily the fight of the night. He says, so yeah, yeah, seems to be the general consensus. To be fair, um, okay. And then we had uh, Ricky Simon defeated uh, Italian Gitano Pirello uh, via submission with an arm triangle choke. Uh, four minutes into the second round, this was another fun fight. Uh, Ricky Simon. He is the the real deal, mate. He is really, he's um he's fought some incredible names already in his career, which is why I was very surprised that he was on the prelims, just because of some of the fighters that he's fought, uh, and I think he's beaten a couple of them. Like it's unbelievable, but his mm. wrestling is sensational, mate. Honestly, right. um, about as good as I've seen from any fight any fighter um, at the moment. It was just non-stop quality um so obviously he won tonight versus Pirello. uh before that he beat ray borg um he lost to rob font who obviously we saw recently um was on fire looked very very good he lost to uriah faber um and then he also lost to uh sorry he beat uh murab dishvili dishvali um so like you say some big names in there uh he's beaten some of them he's lost to some of them but uh, he's definitely improved his striking as well, going by tonight's right. performance. So I'll be uh, be an interesting one again, mate. I think you'll really appreciate the the wrestling skills on the show. Right. Um, okay. So I'll be very on Sunday. We'll have a quick chat about that and see what you make of the, some of those prelim fights. But let's move on right. to the fights that you watched, uh, starting yeah. with the uh, Ahmedov versus Britishman Tom Breeze. Um, this opened the main card due to the time constraints was moved off the prelims. And uh, I thought Tom Breeze did really, really well. And I thought he was a bit unfortunate in the end. He lost via an arm triangle choke about a minute and 40 into the second round. But yeah. um, I felt a bit sorry for him. Not, not sorry for him, but I, 
I felt for him because he really went all out for some 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 tricky submissions to pull off. Uh, he nearly yeah. car. I think it was a calf slicer in the first round, but he looked good until the maiden error and yeah, paid for yeah. It. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, he had a few submission attempts. Clearly, he's working on his grappling and getting more and more confidence there. And he was um, seizing any opportunities that he had um, very quite early on. Um, he got taken down. He got caught with like a, in a deep single en entry. Um, went down and tried to snag a guillotine, arming guillotine. Wasn't quite there for him. Kind of got a bit smothered out in the half guard, um, being underneath. Um you know, um, Akhmadov was, you know, performing very, very nicely there. But then he um, had a little bit of an open guard and closed guard. And he was actually working quite well off his back regards, throwing up some submissions, looking dangerous so that um, Akhmadov couldn't just go ahead and ground or pound him so freely. You had lots of threats of submissions and scrambles to get back on top to deal with as well with Tom Breeze. But Tom Breeze, with his persistence, did actually end up um, getting the top position himself and end up momentarily taking Akhmadov's back. Um, at yeah. the end of the first round, and that must have given him loads of confidence. The fact that he could, um, you know, get on a top position briefly and then actually get um, into a back take on him. Um, and it was actually looking like there could have potentially been a finish there had he had another 30 seconds or a minute in that solid position to really try and work some magic with his submissions that he's clearly improving with, but it wasn't to be. Now, in the second round, um, I ended up having some interesting exchanges. Again, picking up on the single, he defended it really well. Had to deal with deep double up against the fence that he dealt with. Went and Magadoff went back to a single. Again, continuing to deal with that and then countered it uh, in a really, really unusual way and sort of like went right up round the back into a knee spicer. And it, it looked like it could potentially have been really, really nasty. It just didn't quite fall in place for him. And after a brief moment um, after that, he, got, he looked like he was beginning to flag a little bit, maybe put too much energy into trying to get that finish and was looking a little bit exasperated, had his arms in a bad position and quickly got put into an arm triangle situation, which ain't an easy fix, um, especially if you're gassing a little bit. Now, a couple of times the ref was lifting his hands. He actually looked like he was out a little sooner yeah, than he tapped. Yeah, but maybe the ref was seeing his face and he could see that you know he was blinking and you know showing all the signs of being you know, conscious enough to to be, you know, resisting it safely. That's the only thing I could think of. You know, the ref looked pretty on it. He was lifting his arm. He obviously felt that he was still okay. And and he must have been because Tom chose to to tap out eventually. So he must have had his faculties about him. But, yeah, it is disappointing. But, look, that, that guy is, is top-tier level. Um, yeah. They're both looked in amazing shape physically. They've both pulled off some great things. And they both had the opportunities. It's just that... You know, unfortunately for Tom Breeze, when um, Agamedov got his opportunity for a submission, he put it uh, put it to bed and finished him. But yeah, I mean, some some good signs there. If you're going to look at this unfortunate situation that he's got this loss, he has to look at the positives that he pulled off some great moves that were really close and it just wasn't quite there for him. But I think with a little bit more polishing, a little bit more confidence for which he's gaining, he'll be getting the wins with those submission attempts that he's been trying to attempt to pull off. Yeah, he... Did you feel like he made an error to get into that position, uh, which he, you know, he obviously lost from the the arm triangle choke? Did he make a mistake to get into that position just before? I just think it was an opportunistic situation. He was trying to defend the single, and and he ended up bending right over the back, and he had the leg laced. And I just think um, it was just suddenly there for him. He rolled yeah. through to to just go for it. I mean, you got to respect a guy that's trying to put a fight away. 
but he just looked a little bit gassed after that. He looked quite heavily muscled, um, Tom Brees. And, you know, you've got to keep pushing oxygen to those big muscle sets. And maybe if he tried to muscle through on that, and rather than having pure technique, it perhaps left him a little sarsaparated and for which he give away a position very, very quickly after that exchange and gets caught in that arm triangle situation. Yeah, I think so. I think um, ultimately what happens is, and what we've seen maybe with um, some of the British guys who've come over into the UFC in recent months, um, and some top-tier guys as well, is that the UFC is a step up from Cage Warriors. Like mm. it, it, even the fighters at the bottom of the tree, so to speak, you know, they a lot of them are very, very, very capable. Very, you know, some of them are top level at, at certain um, certain disciplines and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, Ahmedov is a very experienced fighter, um, and I know you know Tom Breeze is an experienced fighter and he's very good at uh, what he does. I felt he put on a good performance ultimately, and I think uh, he was unlucky. Um, Next up, we had uh, Leron Murphy, another Brit, versus uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade, with uh, Murphy picking up the win by unanimous decision this time. 29-28, 29-28, 30 um, I thought Leron Murphy was very impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, really I'm going to be watching this kid's career. He, he really, really did impress me. Um, yeah, he, he looks quite big at the weight. Um, he looks energetic at the weight. Uh um, I really like the way he has holds his striking form, um, and the thing I, uh, that also I like about his striking that he's both southpaw and orthodox, and not only yeah. does he switches. start his combinations, um, yeah, he actually switches his stance in uh, combination, which adds length to your combination when someone's trying to um, backstep um, and, and trying to retract away from you. Um, nevertheless, that Andre, uh, Andrada is a very very um, very, very good fighter, very, very good striker. He was a little off balance when he was throwing these uh, low point kicks. This is something that when we was watching it live, we picked up his little off balance, a little stiff in his kicking and just falling a little short with his hands. And maybe this is uh, because Leon, Leon Murphy is so naturally bigger than him. Yes. Although um, Andrade was so muscular, he was giving away quite a bit on the reach and the height front. And I think that was, that was beginning to become telling over the course of those rounds. Um, but Leon Murphy really, really impressed me. Um, I think we're going to see some good and some big things from this kid. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I didn't remember looking at his age, but, you know, to me, that would be quite important. If he's you know young enough, he could gain the experience and be a, a, a real threat in the coming Is years. That, um, Leon Murphy? Yeah. Yeah, what was, his, uh, um, what was his age? Oh, wait, have a look. Um, let's have a look. I don't remember uh, seeing I, I thought... Um, I actually thought Douglas Day was quite um, impressive as well. I thought he, yeah. was, he looked pretty good. Like I know you picked out some technical uh, issues with like his some of his kicks being off balance and stuff, but I thought actually his uh, his performance outside of that was pretty good. Um, yeah, there was, yeah. There was certainly something there to work with. It was no yeah bags of cardio. Um, you know, yeah, really looked strong with that frame, yeah, and um, was doing really large combinations himself, which he has to do to make up for the, the height and reach deficit that he was giving away. So he had to come in big with some combinations. And, you know, he, he had some successes there. He really, really did. Um, by no means was this a one-sided affair. It was um, nail-biting all the way through. Mm -hmm. But I still maintain that, that um, Murphy is going to be something. I, I'm sure of that. 
Yeah, yeah, he made a very impressive uh, performance tonight. It was. Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, DeAndre could have done a bit more, and do you think that LeBron Murphy will be a little bit disappointed that he couldn't get a finish? Um, well, uh, you know, he's in his mid thirties now, so I, I think he'd be disappointed that you know any loss that he has. It, that's quite a bit of redemption that he has to do in his fight record to try and get himself back into relevancy. So on that front, yeah, I bet you that's disappointing. And any loss is disappointing at any time in your career. But, um, you know, he performed well. He, that's what he's got to take from that. It, it was still close throughout each of those rounds. Um, he was in it to win it at all times. And there was never a time when he was touching his shots in. He was mm. throwing with full figure at all times. So, yeah, he shouldn't be disappointed other than the fact that, you know, it is a loss nevertheless and it takes a little bit of a little bit of work uh, and notching up some more wins to sort of, like, make that one be buried, so to speak. You reckon that um, Laurent will be a bit disappointed that he couldn't pick, a, pick up a finish or do you think just the overall performance was that good? That, you know, no, no, I mean, finish... Uh, yeah, finishes are sort of like the cherry on top sort of thing, you know... Um, the, the finishes sort of like just present themselves predominantly and you've just got to be an opportunity to take them when they're there. Um, the opportunity for the finish just wasn't really there in any mm. clear way. Um, Andrade was very footwork orientated, so that can make it quite hard to make any of your shots land. Um, he did have some really nice leg kicks that perhaps could have led to some immobility issues for Andrade, but none of them were consequential enough to take away that mobility. So, yeah, it, was, it made it more of a tit for tat. Striking yeah, match. I felt but, um, like um, he could have gone with the the leg kicks a bit more because I felt like they did do they did cause him some problems when he did let him go. But I just felt sometimes as if he didn't quite go down that route enough. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think you know he did create a weakness there, and I think if he wanted to set up something to be a finish, he had to make Andrade immobile, and um, and then his reach and his natural size advantage would have started to real tell, tell its tale and maybe got to finish um, at some point in that third round. But, you know, it just wasn't to be. But just because it wasn't to be the way we're saying it, it's easy yeah, to yeah, say while, while we're watching it. You know, you have to remember there's a lot of anxieties and stresses and pressures on you when you're actually in there. Um, and, you know, this kid, 29 years old, that, that's, you know, still young enough to be learning your lessons um, in yeah, there. And yeah, I think he'll look back and see that, you know, oh, crikey, you know, I, I think I could have perhaps aimed at that leg a little bit more often, try to create something of a finish um, in hindsight, and maybe that'll make him make better choices in the coming fights. But as it was, that was a nigh-on perfect performance. Played it very, very safe whilst being very aggressive as well. Yeah. uh, What is it they say? Every day is a school day, mate. Um, Yeah, absolutely that. um, You can always learn. And I thought, Overall, great performance by uh, Mr. Murphy. Next up yeah. is Matt Schnell versus Tyson Nam. Um, I went for Tyson Nam in this fight in our predictions on the last show. Um, yeah. Which was the one I got wrong. Uh, with Schnell picked up the victory via split decision. This was a close one, I thought. Yeah, it was. But, I, um, you know, I watched this fight twice, actually. Um, okay. uh, I watched it back twice. Because it did look like Tyson Nam was... Uh, predominantly the one moving forward, particularly in rounds two and three, and was certainly throwing the bigger shots, but they were missing a lot more than Schnell, Schnell's was. Now, Schnell was just countering with really nice, fast, sharp combinations. Nothing super complex. Sometimes he was throwing three, four, and five straight combinations, like uh, literally straight hits, 
um, just peppering his shots in. And um, I think that was enough just to take enough of the judge's eyes to put it in his favour. Um, he did look very, very calm. It was a little tit for tat. That's the only mm. thing I say. It almost looked like um, a heavy sparring session rather than it did two people competing in UFC. So many times now we see these people in UFC try and make an impression. And they hunt for that £50,000 um, $50, sorry, uh, prize money Bonus, of, yeah. of the night and so on and so forth. And they obviously want to make an impression for Dana White. But they both played quite a mature game. It, maybe Tyson Nam was headhunting a little bit more and perhaps relying on trying to bed down his base to throw more powerful shots. But Matt Schnell looked just focused and looked like he had his wits about him literally at all times, at all times. And I think that was enough to, to edge it for the judging. And um, I think it went the right way on hindsight of watching it a second time around. I'm happy to go with you, mate. I thought, um, I thought, yeah, heavy sparring session is kind of like an appropriate... Yeah, look gentlemanly almost at times. <laughs> and yeah, you were like you were almost waiting for one of them to really put some stamp the authority. There was yeah, yeah. Put, a, put a bit of stink on it and just really get at it. But yeah, it never quite came. But yeah, you know, it's like you get fights like that sometimes. Yeah, of course. But um, I thought Schnell was very clever in the way he went about his business. You know, he um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he looked um, he looked pretty smart in there. I just would have liked to have seen him try to stamp a little more authority on some of those rounds. Yeah, sure. Um, next up then, we had Vivian Arjo versus Roxanne Modafferi, uh, with uh, Vivian picking up the unanimous decision victory. Um, were you surprised by this? Going in, uh, no, you would, no, you would no, pick no, Roxanne? Um, yeah, no, no, I'm not at all surprised. It's just that Roxanne, uh, um, you know, Modafferi has really smothered her opponents. Um, in the past, um, she never looks uh, sort of, I can't say comfortable, doesn't look very coordinated, but she seems to just grind people down. And, and maybe because she's got this awkwardness about her, it's a little hard to read for some of her opponents. And she's had her successes. And um, from what I remember of seeing of uh, Arajo, I think I might be pronouncing that name wrong, or Vivian, let's just say. Um, she looked like she, she maybe didn't carry enough experience through to maybe deal with that. But, yeah, she's clearly made an improvement. She looked very, very calculating. Um, she was pretty much waiting for Roxanne to come in and was playing single-shot counters and getting a lot of success with that. And then at times of her own attacks was you know, getting some nice combinations. Now, um, Roxanne really needed to get back to what she does best, which is uh, muddling forward with strikes and then, trying to smother the opponent against the fence and sort of grind the fight out of them. Um, when she did that, she made some you know, some kind of basic errors, really, and giving up her back quite early in that first round. And again, in the second round, when she tried to do a typical style, it was found with her giving up her back. Um, and then in the third round, I think she became a little lost in ways of trying to get back into the fight. And, you know, looking a little bit awkward uh, as she does, um, she just doesn't have anything regards an element of surprise. Um, I think the way she has her fight game is you kind of know what she's going to do, but can't always stop it because she just grinds it through. But um, Arajo just showed some um, gaining maturity and obviously improving on her technical game as well. Overall showed really, really good wrestling and um, yeah, yeah. She, she got the win and you know, deservingly so. Yeah. Sweet. I, I missed this one. Oh, I missed part of it. I saw bits of it. But, um, yeah, 
Had a yeah. bit of everything. There was a bit of striking there. There was a bit of wrestling there. And um, like I say, there, there was some, some wrestling aspects. Um, you saw a little bit of groundwork. And uh, you know, uh, Fairy looked a little bit lost there on the ground. She looked mm-hmm. like she was struggling to find ways of either getting some kind of attacks going off her back and certainly struggling with ways to get out. Although she did get back to her feet um, when needed to. But, yeah. Yeah, a couple of comments. Jay said um, that you pay for mistakes at the top level. And I think we yeah. saw that in a couple of fights. Uh, sure. And Gaz, Gaz said Schnell was so quick. He um, was. He's, yeah, he's certainly, yeah. certainly quick. Um, so he was playing counter and then wouldn't allow um, Tyson Nam to play counter-counter because he was punching pretty much straight shots most of the time. And, um, uh, and, and because he's down. punching... Did your headphones come out, mate? Oh, hang on, no. Just got a bit quiet, that's all. I, I got a call coming through. Back. That's what happened. There you go. Yeah. Um, he, he's punching with just straight punches predominantly um, in clusters of up to five. But because they were just straight punches, there was such small tempo timing to try to get the counter counter off. And um, yeah, he played the game really well. So yeah, um, that was well picked out. Indeed. Um, next up, we had uh, Ike Villanueva versus uh, Vincese Moriaio. Moriaio. I apologise. I'm not. Moriaio, I think. Is that right? Moriaio. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> With uh, Villeneuve picking up the victory via KO of 39 seconds of the round two, and uh, quite the quite the knockout this one was, wasn't it? Yeah, it got caught Before, right yeah. on the chin. But um, you know, the, the thing is, was Mariah, he, he looked a little passive. Um, he just looked like someone getting hunted, which is strange because mm. he's a really big guy. He had clear size advantage, but yeah, it just looked like. Um, uh, you know, Ike, or uh, how do you pronounce his second name? Uh, Villanera. Yeah, he just, yeah, he just looked like he was the one hunting in there all the time. It looked like he was wanting to find ways to win. And Mariah was looking just to try and survive and maybe get an opportunity to get a quick win, possibly. But, yeah, he didn't look too comfortable in there. And it kind of mm. surprised me because of the stature of the man. Um, you would have think you would have thought that a man that's got a clear size advantage like that would um, try to make the fight ugly and take centre centre stage and take the centre of the cage and try and push the smaller man back but it wasn't to be, he was the one getting pushed back and when you keep doing that you're going to let your opponent grow in confidence and those combinations are going to start coming through and when you get confidence you start seeing things more clear and that chin started to present itself and boy did he find it, he clipped him right on the tip and yeah, there was no way he was going to recover from it yeah, he looked a bit um, confused after the fight was called off, but there was no way he could have continued. Um, Modif- not Modafferi, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Um, the finish came as the second round got underway, and after a kind of interesting but uneventful first round, uh, Ike just came out and he absolutely drilled Moyer with a right hook, and he caught him sort of on the chin and the mouth, and woof. He went down yeah. and he was over just like that. And um, like I know he looked a bit peeved and a bit uh, frustrated by the finish, but he was also still unsteady on his feet as they went to the referee and you know and, and Bruce Buffer and stuff. So, you know, uh, I don't think he can have he, any complaints, can he? he? He got clipped good and proper. And the way he went down, of course, a ref's always going to step in to try and stop you receiving more damage. Um, there was nothing wrong with that stoppage whatsoever. And um, and with the way he was fighting, to be honest, if that wasn't to happen, then it was going to happen at some point because it just, I don't know, it just looked like he didn't have 
anything much about him in there. He, he just didn't look urgent, didn't uh, look urgent in the way he should have been defending, and certainly didn't show no urgency in regards to his attacks. They were, they, they, they were sloppy and slow. And it just didn't look dangerous in there. Sluggish, I was really surprised with him. Sluggish. Yeah, it, it didn't look great. He didn't look confident for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't have a great training camp. Who knows? It's got to be diff difficult for these fighters, haven't it, with COVID and everything. Like The, the camps are just not going to be the same as what they would be if everything yeah. was as normal, like with sparring with different opponents. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, look, he's a really, really big guy. Maybe he didn't have the kind of colour of a big guys that he needed because of the situation around the world at the minute. You know, we, we can only surmise these things, really. But um, I've seen him look better, put it that way. And um, I didn't I didn't feel like uh, Ike was put, putting anything um, different into his game to make uh, Mariah nervous in there. You know, he wasn't being overly aggressive. So I was really surprised at his backpedalling game and backpedalling style. Indeed. Uh, next up, we had uh, Warley Alves, the very experienced fighter, versus Monier Lazez who has been just who has been called uh, the Conor McGregor of Dubai. Uh, he was very impressive in his debut in the UFC. His, uh, his kicks were incredible. He won uh, against a very experienced uh, fighter in Al-Hassan. Al um, he was very much hyped up by the program and the UFC beforehand. This was clearly someone who they think is going to go far for them. Um, yeah. Uh, and as Gaz has kind of put it quite nicely in the comments, he says the golden boy Laziz got smoked. Uh, and he did. Two minutes, 41, uh, 45 into round one. Uh, Wesley Alves took him out with three vicious kicks to the ribs. Definitely a broken rib in there, I think, mate. Um, they sent him down. He covered up quickly, took a few shots, and it wasn't long before Herb Dean was in there ending that fight. Um what did you make of this? Because he looked pretty good in the two minutes or so beforehand. He looked quite sharp. And then all of a sudden, he took a nasty kick to the, the liver. And uh, yeah, everything changed. Yeah, um, really, it just couldn't get going. And uh, Alves had no respect for his striking. The first thing he did was come out with that really low shin kick that really disrupted uh, Lazar's um, Got him up against the fence really, really quick, which is obviously not what Lezes would, would, would want to be doing. And um, and then got put on the ground very, very easily. Um, it didn't look like he had a lot of know-how, to be honest, on, on the ground. He, he wasn't doing exactly fantastic things. He was literally just trying to get up in, the, in, I wouldn't say a crude way. He was doing the right sort of things, don't get me wrong, and it got him back to the feet. But um, I just felt like we got a sense that he might be a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, um, he got put down with those three rib, rib kicks. I mean, the first one really hit home, and I think that was the one that did all the damage. The next two thereafter were done just purely because of, I think Alice uh, said that he heard a crack. That would have been on yeah. the first one, and the next two hit on the forearm, but nevertheless were probably still getting some vibration through to that damaged rib. And um, he collapsed down and got finished very, very qu quickly thereafter that. I mean, if you're going to feel your ribs, oh, I've had a separated rib numerous times and you can't move once they go. So I can only, but imagine what a cracked rib feels like. Um, but it wouldn't be good. It won't be very nice. It immobilizes you. And so he just fetled up on the ground for the referee stoppage. But yeah, I, I just love looking at those three body kicks. I mean, you, you, it's very rare you'll see that off the same side. Um, it's almost like pad drilling uh, in a tie boxing class. But like I say, he heard the crack and just went there again and again. So 
yeah, okay, Lesres is knowing as an incredible striker that got beaten by strikes. Yeah, yeah. J um, Jay asked a question. He says, uh, do body shots kill you more than on the than uh, a big one on the chin? Well, um, if you recover, so if you get back to your corner or you manage to um, smother your opponent after receiving a big hit, you can recover. Um, you can yeah. shake off those, uh, you know, those cobwebs. Um, body shots, once you've been hurt to the body, it's like a dead leg. They kind of linger for the rest of the match. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, once you've been weakened to the body, it's the same as getting weakened to the leg. You, you're just vulnerable there. But like I say, you know, if you're rocked and you manage to get to the one minute rest period, you kind of like, you're, it's as if you've never been hit other than the fact that it marks up on your scorecard. It doesn't make you um, easily knock dizzy in the second round any more so than it was the first round. Um, so, yeah, definitely body shots and, and, and leg kicks have more of a consequence um, to you once you've been hurt there. Yeah, um, so some people might be confused because normally uh, we put out our recorded episode around sort of this time, 8, 9 o'clock on a Wednesday. But uh, today we're live. It's basically uh, a convenience thing for us. Um, whilst eventually we are planning to take this show live, uh, we're, not, we're not necessarily looking to do that at the moment. But what we didn't want to have to do is talk about two shows plus interview Jake on Sunday or for next week's episode. So for convenience for us, basically, we decided we were going to go live straight after. And ultimately, yeah. I think it's more fun to go live after the, sh after the show's finished than try and you know do it like the Sunday, the day after, and then it doesn't go out until the Wednesday. As I said, our plan is obviously to go live eventually. Um, but at the moment, we're enjoying what we are doing, and I cannot wait for. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. It, it makes sense to do it this way, side because you know we got uh, Jake Hadley on, and and that's going to be really really interesting to get to know the lad and and to get his nose perspective on that. In, you know that match with Luke Shanks that had so much hype about it. It'd be great to get his perspective on it um, on a one to one and how he feels after. Um, after it, whether yeah, there's yeah. still any ill feeling and so on and so forth, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, you know, by doing this the way we've done it, it gives us more time to get to know Jack Hadley and for the listeners too as well. Yeah, exactly that, mate. But uh, you know, want to be able to the whole point of having these great guests, which we've been having, is we want to be able to talk to them and interview them and have chat to them and stuff. And if you've got to rush through because you've got to talk about two shows, you're going to lose time with them. And I didn't want to do that. And plus, of course. Sunday, Saturday, there's quite a big fight going on, you may know. Um, and we'll be talking about that, obviously, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. And uh, the other thing I will add is uh, the next three weeks after Jake, we've got three phenomenal guests. Uh, all new guests as well, never been on the show before. Two UFC fighters, one male, one female, and a legend of MMA as well. Um, so I urge you all to subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, don't miss the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday. Got some phenomenal guests coming up. But uh, the main event of the evening was Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa. Um, obviously, we watched this together, mate. Um, yes. Virtually, obviously, because of COVID. Um, we don't break the rules here. But... Um, we were discussing beforehand, this was a massive fight for both guys because it was almost like an eliminator to see who was going to make that break to try and fight the top tier of this division because this welterweight division is insane. Obviously, you've got Usman as the champion. Then you've got um, Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, George A. Masvidal. 
that are kind of the top tier. And then you've also got Stephen Thompson, Tyron Woodley, Damian Meyer. And then it's into Chiesa and Magni. And I, whoever won this fight was going to probably get, I think, Stephen Thompson next. And if they can get past Stephen Thompson, then you're into that group of huge names. And that's your chance. You know, mm. Neil Magny and Michael Chiesa, both about 30 yards. You know, this is their chance now. These next, This next couple of fights is make or break for them whether they're going to ever make it to the to the top tier and the top mm. table and get things like title shots. Um, and i got to say, I did pick Michael Chiesa, I thank you, um, to win. You didn't. You picked uh, Neil Magny, <laughs> which, you know, I love to remind you um, of. <laughs> Um, but Michael Chiesa was very, very impressive, mate. I got to say, um, like I, I, I picked him because I felt his grappling was so good that if he got hold of Neil Magny, I didn't think Neil Magny would have the defensive skills to 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 counter it to yeah. you know, to put up. Even if it went five rounds, I felt like Chiesa's grappling would just take over, and and that really is how it went. I think I think we both agreed that. Uh, Magni won the second round, but we gave all four. Uh, I, I think it might be. The, I think it might have been the third. Third was it? it I think it. Was, third, I think it may yeah. have been the third. Yeah, I think all he only won. Four. Yeah, yeah. Casey um, was. Um, he was using you know a real pronounced shoulder pressure to pin the position, so he was never going to get awesome ground a pound off with that kind of control. But what he was going to be doing is getting a high percentage of control per round which is just going to keep racking up the rounds in his favour. So it was playing it a little bit safe on the ground. He wasn't really submission hunting, um, and he wasn't really trying to stop it with some some, some big uh, punches and elbows, although we did see briefly, I think in the first round, he landed down a couple of elbows, which was looking quite aggressive. But thereafter, he was really trying to pin and control the position. I think partly because he felt how potentially active Magni was going to be in trying to scramble off his back. And it's actually Magni that come up with a couple of submission opportunities. And one of them quite w weird, it's like an inverted triangle um, mm. situation. It was a, a little bit unusual, maybe in round four or five. Um, but yeah, Kesa overall though, you know, he, he just looked really, really, really strong in the wrestling. He looked like if it was going to go to the ground, it was presumably going to be him able to get Magni down. And when he did, he was keeping it there. Um, long enough to keep pinching those rounds off. But Magni did excellent. Um, to spend that much time on his back uh, with someone like Kesa on him and not getting submitted, not even getting put in any kind of danger submission-wise yeah. at all, goes to show you how savvy he had become um, and how aware he was. But nevertheless, that doesn't win fights. It, it helps you get through to the end of the fight like he did, but he was dropping those rounds. But never at one time did I feel that Neil Magni was thinking that he couldn't try to get this fight to be turned around. And that's the thing I love about Magnus style. You know, at any time when he got back to his feet, it could be a knee, it could be an elbow or a punch. Anything that starts off something that gives him a sniff of a win, he suddenly becomes super, super dangerous. It mm. just didn't happen enough for him. He had a couple of brief opportunities that looked like something might come of it. But cases, um, cardio held up. And that's something that I thought might give out. That's why I went for Neil Magny. I just thought the latter rounds were going to go Magny's favour. And I thought he might start failing with the takedowns and getting caught with knees um, and elbows from the feet and possibly the ground if um, Kesa tried to sit guard and, and sort of like try to bottom out under the pressure. It wasn't the case. Kesa showed great conditioning, uh, good game plan and great control. 
But um, I think both of them should be commended on that performance because I think a lesser fighter being put under pressure like Kiesi was doing would have been um, pinned and either struck out or, or being submitted. Um, so we've got a question about um, Kiesi, which I'll get to in just a sec. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I think that what, the one thing I was maybe a little disappointed with with Kiesi was I felt with his dominance in the grappling throughout the fight, I felt like he could have really pushed up. He could have maybe potted. I think it was the first round he got into mount and he postured a bit and, and he nailed some like two or three really slicing elbows across uh, Magny's face. And I felt mm. like that was a an area where he could have really pushed on and attacked. Um, and same with submissions because of the positions he was getting in from his transitions and his grappling. I felt like he, if he had really pushed for it, he could have gone for that finish whether it was through striking or a submission, but he was happy to just dominate the fight and win, you know, four rounds to one or whatever, which is, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. But that would be my one criticism of Chiesa. But again, like you, I would give a tremendous amount of credit to Neil Magdi for being able to be under that amount of pressure. He, all right, without the, you know, the the pressure being poured on with strikes and submissions and stuff he was still under a pressure he was still having to defend grappling and um he did exceptionally well you know five rounds he must have been tired they must have been tired after but um of course says, yeah um he says Chiesa's uh transitions were so fast uh is that common danny or is he real high level um well of course his high level is in ufc and he's he's known for his grappling in the ufc so there's no two ways about it that he's high level but what's making him look fast um is more the fact that he is making neil magny quite slow um you know i just emphasized about how he was very pronounced with his shoulder pressure he was putting his weight very very well so although magny was athletic enough to create opportunities to try to scramble and get movements going which stopped it being a ball fest to be honest and uh, being there's so much time on the ground he was creating um and forcing transitions from kaisa but he had the weight put on so well that Neil Magny was always having to carry his weight in some way in the turn and rotation to try and create movements. And that's why his transitions look so fast, because he made Magny look so slow. And don't get me wrong, he was quick, because he, um, Neil Magny's movements were so um, obvious, because he had to do them stuck in the mud with Kaysa's weight on him, that when he did try to transition, it was so obvious which way he was going to go. He just stepped a foot over, cr connected the seatbelt, and put the pressure here, switched the pressure there. Um, that's what was making him look so fluent and, and so fast um, because um, there's there's being fast and then there's being sort of chaotic fast and not controlling fast. Um, never was he jumping in his hooks or, or jumping a submission. He was not doing anything fast in that way. He was transitioning fast merely because he was slowing down the movements of his um, of, of his opponent. Um, and it was very, very skillfully done. It was It was beautiful to see. Yeah, I commented to you. I think when we were watching about just his weight distribution and the way yeah. he was, his weight was distributed in such a way that any time Magni had to to move, just to you know make sure he didn't get his back taken or he didn't get put into mount or submission or whatever it may be. Yeah, he had to like you said, he had to carry um, Kiesa's weight, which you know that's going to make it very very uh, tiring, isn't it? Anyway, it's tiring enough trying to defend. The grappling as you're moving from position to position but to do that with a, a full human body on top of you is very difficult and again he did it for five rounds didn't get finished didn't get submitted 
So I think he deserves uh, a tremendous amount of credit. Yeah, um, absolutely. But you know, you've got to give it to Magni. Any opportunity that he did create movements, um, he wasn't always choosing to scramble to his feet. He even tried to roll an e-bar at one point, uh, an e-bar presented itself. So, yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He he was you know confident enough to even go um, potentially submission on submission, although we didn't see a counter submission being put on. Um, he, he just defended that e-bar and, and continued to top control. But... Yeah, I mean, both impressed me. Um, it, it was a good fight to work, watch. Um, okay, so it's kind of overshadowed by some of the performances that we have seen, um, particularly on last week's show. But, uh, you know, as a martial artist, looking at what I saw was, was a beautiful thing. It was a good, good, great fight. I'm kind of interested, actually, from your point of view, like now, um, I'd assume that the next fight for Kiesa is going to be Damian Meyer, Tyrone Woodley or Stephen Thompson. Um, we don't know what's happening with Tyrone Woodley, so probably Damian Meyer versus Steve or Stephen Thompson. Which yeah. fight do you think, if you're the UFC, are you going to put Kiesa against? Which one? I would like to see Kiesa fight Meyer, uh, Damian Meyer. Um, Be interesting. Yeah, because I, I don't know how many more fights Damian Meyer will have him. He's a, a real aging foe now, but he has that style that if he can push it into his arena of grappling, um, you know, it, it, then he can kind of. Uh, uh, you know, really still display himself. If he's got someone who's got devastating striking, real young, aggressive, and great takedown defense, he starts looking really bad. He starts sitting guard, and it just looks, it doesn't look very nice for Damien. But I think that matchup would actually look really, really good. And I'd love to see these two both um, have it out on the ground and um, clinching up against the, the cage. I think it'd be a super interesting match. Um, if he was to fight Thompson, I, I just think he won't be able to get hands on him. I just think yeah. he's going to be too too elusive. Um, reach I, would just yeah, I just away. think it's his timing and, and the way he throws combinations. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a difficult one for him. Um, but, you know, time time again, I get proved I'm wrong. This is nothing more than my perspective mm -hmm. on things. But uh, I, I just think Damian Mile would be a better matchup. I think it would look great. Um, I'll just be curious of their grappling exchanges, to be honest. Yeah, and of course, uh, all the names I mentioned, you've got... Leon Edwards is up there just above uh, Masvidal in uh, third uh, in the rankings. And, of course, you've got Chimaev, who's 15th, but effectively mm. is in that top sort of five or sure. six because eventually he's going to fight Leon Edwards one day, uh, yeah. hopefully. I mean, my opinion with um, Damian Meyer is, look, one of the all-time greats, without doubt, uh, one of the best BJJ MMA fighters there's ever been. He's mm. right up there for me in, with his BJJ with the Gracies. But I just think at the moment, the last couple of years or maybe last 18 months or whatever you want to say, uh, he's literally just so dependent on his grappling. He's, everything else has deteriorated well, a lot. I, I think he made a lot about the fighters recently, like going past their prime. Of course. Fighting after yeah. their prime. I but I, I, I'm sure he said, because he started to learn how to strike and he started trying to do his striking. And then he yeah. found that it left him fatigued when he had, uh, had the opportunities to shoot and grapple. He, he mm. kind of took the edge out of himself and um, and also put himself at risk when he was striking with people that he, he'd suddenly get struck and and, um, and pay the consequences of that. He started to put the striking aside and concentrate on going back to what he knew to do best, which I think was a good move especially seeing that, you know, when he made that decision, he was already in his late 30s. So, you know, he kept himself relevant. Um, is he ever going to be champion? No, I don't think he's ever going to be champion now. Um, 
Uh, it, Could he be a champion? Do you think in welterweight? I, I just think at the minute that division is a bit stacked up there. I, 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 don't, I can't see him beating the, the very, very top guys in that division. Um, to be honest, as impressed as I am with that performance, I um, think his striking is not good enough. Yeah, I just, moment. I just think yeah that it's just other people with sharper tools, and I think he'll eventually come unstuck. Mm. But um, who knows? You know, he, you know, we're all training to improve. He might make those improvements to therefore make the uh, the advantages that our opponent would have less so uh, to a point where he will take the win over them. It's all about progression and, and opening your mind and being honest with your game and uh, and then having the coaches to know how to put the improvements into your game so that you don't come up short against anyone. But uh, yeah, he's certainly relevant to start having a punt at the top and there's a few interesting matchups that I'd definitely like to see. But if I'm, I mean, I'm going to be a betting man, I'd say that he, he's not going to quite make the, the championship. Um, you know, he's not going to quite make it as champion, personally. Yeah, yeah, I think um, he deserves to try. Uh, mm. I just don't think he'll quite get there. But, you know, hey, uh, I hope he proves me wrong. Um, so to finish us off, mate, we're going to go with the predictions for UFC 257 on the weekend. Um, I think uh, let's have a quick look at the prelims just to make sure before I skip over them. Anyone in there? Uh, oh, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is fighting in the prelims and Brad Tavares, not against each other. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay, we'll stick with the main card. So, we've got uh, Jessica I versus Joanne Calderwood. Now that is a fight which I think is going yeah. up very bang. hard. To, yeah, I'm going to go Jessica with this one, but it's so hard no. to pick a, a pick a winner out of these two. I will not have it. Joanne Calderwood is a legend. Mm. Uh, so Jessica is ranked six. Joanne Calderwood is ranked seven. Um, they got very similar records. Both five for six. Both. Same weight, similar half an inch reach and difference. Good fight. Half, half, half an inch reach difference. So, uh, Jessica Rye's got half an inch reach difference uh, with the arms, but Joanne Calderwood's got half an inch reach advantage with the legs. It's so they're so closely matched. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Joanne Calderwood for me has got knockout power. Um, yeah, she's won thirty six percent of her fights by KO or TKO. Right. Um, Whereas uh, Jessica Eyes won 73% of her fights via decision. Um, mm. So I just think I'm going with... Uh, yeah, I'm going with Joanne Calderwood, the Scottish lady. Uh, okay. She's going she's gonna to bring it home for the UK, mate. And I think yeah. she should be ashamed uh, of I hope she does. But I'm, she, yeah, she I'm just not too sure. yourself for going against the Brit. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we have uh, Matt Frivolia versus Otman Azitea uh, in a lightweight bout. Um, I'm going to guess and say you're not massively familiar with these two. No, I, I think that Otman, uh, that Otman, uh, I think. Otman we've... bulldozer Azitea, yeah. 13 and yeah. 0 from Morocco. Yeah. Um, he's they're pretty much exactly the same in terms of height, reach, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Matt Frivola's got an inch height and an inch reach advantage. Um, I'm going to go with the unbeaten Moroccan Otman the Bulldozer. Yeah, that's, 
who I'd go with here. Okay. Um, and then we've got the big boys, the big fights. The uh, We've got the co-main event, a lightweight bout. Effectively, I believe this is an eliminator for the title, but we'll see. It is uh, Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler making his debut in the UFC. Uh, the Brit... No, he's not a Brit, is he, Michael Chandler? I always think he's British. Um, Michael Chandler making his debut in the UFC. Um, where Do you think he's going to beat the hangman, Dan Hooker? Uh, I think this is a bad stylistic match for him for his first fight in UFC. Um, it could prove me wrong. Um, if anyone can pull off a win when I'm doubting him a little bit, it could be Chandler. Uh, but he's given away height advantage, reach advantage... Um, he's going to have to go in with big combinations and shoot and try and smother Hooker. And Hooker's so good at fighting outside. He'll fight on the outer fringes of the cage, but use footwork and his elusivity. Um, if Hooker falls into the trap of trying to trade, he could get hit hard and and then shot in under and get underneath him and, uh, and get him to the ground. And then it could be a difficult night for him. But uh, I think it's all for Hooker to win. I, I just think he's got the credentials, the, the sort of like physical stats to make it hard work for Chandler. And it's going to be Chandler trying to find a way um, around those issues to try and get the win. If he don't find answers early on, he's going he's gonna to be stuck on the outside and, and keep letting those rounds slip away. Mm, I'm going to go with... Um, as you know, I'm not Michael Chandler's biggest fan in terms of being a fighter. I don't I think um, I think it's a bit unfair on him to put him in against Dan Hooker and his UFC debut. However, yeah. um, the age he's at and coming in, he's coming in off a, a couple of wins. I can see why he wants to go straight in there at the top. Either yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes, if he goes in there and smokes Dan Hooker, then he's got big, um, you know, he's got big credentials for that when this yeah. situation yeah, is yeah. sorted out. Um, as we talked about last week. Khabib has said he's watching this and the main event very, very closely. Um, right. What the, he said he's not going to hold up the division, which to me says he's going to fight one of the four guys in the main event or the co-main event, or he's going to drop it and fight yeah. GSP. Mm. Um, either way, I'd say the winners of both these fights have got a fair shot to say, well, hang on, I should be in the title picture. But um, I'm going to yeah. go with uh, Dan Hooker for this one. I think yeah. um, he'll just be I've too got, much for Michael Chandler. I think so as well. But, you know, I want, I personally, you know, in my heart, I want Chandler to win because I think I there's more interesting matchups. I really do want to see those matchups. But um, I'd love to see him against someone like McGregor. You know, I think that'd be, be a great matchup because he'll trade a bit with McGregor, in, but he's still got the shoot opportunity to yeah. sort of like throw into the mix. And But he will trade at times with McGregor. It'd be super interesting. Oh, but yes. We, we shall yeah. see. We shall it see. Would be a, it would be a strike fest, mate, I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, then we have the main event, my friend. The main event of the evening. The notorious Conor McGregor makes his return and a, a rematch versus Dustin Poirier. Um, Dustin Poirier has been grinding since he last faced uh, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor has done all sorts of crazy stuff over that time whether it's boxing, whether it's winning two titles, um, knocking out a legend in Jose Aldo in, what was it, 15, 13 seconds? Yeah. Um, he's done a lot. Um, 
one thing I did want to say before we make our predictions for this one, just as we kind of preview it. Um, I was watching the UFC preview of this fight, and then they were kind of breaking down the original fight between the two. And they focused very much on uh, the, the mind games beforehand. And, you know, look, Conor McGregor is uh, very good at that sort of stuff. He gets under his opponent's skin. That's how he beat Jose Aldo, as he got Aldo so emotional that he made an error. Conor McGregor planned for that error, and that was what she wrote. Um, and whilst he did get under Dustin Poirier's skin, and he did get inside his head a little bit, um, I thought he actually beat him because he was the better fighter on the night. Technically, he set him up beautifully for the finish um, by doing certain things. And you were talking about Conor's movement in that fight and the way he he set him up for the for the finish. So I think sometimes, because of everything which goes on outside the cage with Conor McGregor, people don't always give him the respect that maybe he deserves as a fighter. And it's certainly his fight IQ uh, in terms of setting up people. What do you think about that? Yeah, look, he's an incredible striker. He's got incredible movement, um, awareness of his own range. Um, I don't think he's the best offensive striker when someone's putting it on him. I think we've seen him fall foul at times, but why he's got fresh and energy in him, man, he's he's just a laser beam precision. Um, he's got a clear, uh, incredible power. He's fast. He's quite diverse in his strikes as well. He's not a typical leg kicker. You don't see him bashing proper hard leg kicks, but he does go hard to the midsection, hard to the head. He's got that really rangy spinning heel kick. Um, yeah, and that, that cross hand, that cross left hand of his is absolutely devastating. So, yeah, I'm going to have to stick with McGregor on this one. The issue I always have with McGregor, really, in recent times is the fact that he's so long out between yeah. fights. and he's, um, I think in this yeah. case, it's not actually down to him, though. I think uh, the UFC didn't want to bring him back until there was fans back, is my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he said straight after the Cerrone fight, because um, he beat Cerrone in a, like a minute, um, and he looked as focused and as fresh and as sharp as he did in his run-up to winning those titles. Um, and he had said, like, I want to fight straight away. And with COVID and lockdowns and restrictions, I just don't think the UFC wanted him. You know, they want Conor McGregor. They want on pay-per-view with fans there so they can maximise their money, which, you know, I, I understand that fully. Um is it a coincidence that we've got fans back in the stadium, albeit not a full stadium, and Conor McGregor's back the yeah, second mate. week? Uh, oh, I just lost you there oh, for us. You, you've gone a bit fuzzy, uh, funny, fuzzy, Dan. Um, if you have gone a bit weird, just go out and in again, mate. We're uh, we're wrapping up now, anyway. Danny's gone fuzzy. Let's go back. Yeah, you you're way back. Yeah, lost you yeah, for a few just, seconds there. Sorry. That's right. No worries, mate. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Conor McGregor. However, I would say Dustin Poirier is not one to take lightly. But I just, ultimately, I just think Conor McGregor is the better fighter. Um, and I think when people people get lost sometimes on all the other things and they forget that he is just good. He's a good fighter. Khabib is a special fighter. Um, Nate Diaz was a way up. They're the only two people he's lost to mm, mm. in the UFC. Uh, yeah. I think... When you when you look at that and you look at then the people he's beaten and how he's beaten them, 
know, yeah, it's, it's very hard to be, you know, even though I'm picking out McGregor, it's very hard to be super confident either oh, or, to be honest. Yeah, Poirier's n not the fighter that he used to be. Um, you know, he's hugely more experienced. This is now done at a different weight as well, whether that makes a difference or not. Probably not, because they're probably naturally growing in size um, as they get older. But, ah, yeah, Poirier's he's done so much since since they last fought. So that really could be something that he could use to bring differences from their previous fight and um, and make difference enough to pull off the win in his favour. Um, I certainly wouldn't be writing him off, but I just think that, that precision and that outright power and the, the movement of Conor McGregor will pose him more opportunities to win than um, Poirier. Yeah, I mean, their stats are so even... Like mm. uh, even from their records, like Poirier's twenty six and six, with one no contest. Uh, McGregor's twenty two and four. They're both five foot nine. Um, McGregor's got a two inch reach advantage. Uh, they're like knockout stats at eighty six percent for McGregor, fifty percent for Poirier. Um, decisions. Poirier's got twenty seven percent. McGregor's only got the nine percent. Their average fight time, which I was quite surprised by this, how even it is. Uh, Poirier's is eight minutes fifty-five. McGregor's is eight minutes twenty. So actually, they they're really uh -huh. evenly matched up. Um, right. Obviously, McGregor's got the kind of strike advantage in terms of finishing fights via knockout and stuff like that. But even yeah. like their their grappling statistics, their significant strikes, they're forty-nine percent, both of them. They're so evenly matched that their takedown defense is 69 and 70 percent. Their takedown right. accuracy, McGregor's is 62 and Poirier's 41, and it's they're so evenly matched that I think mm. you'd be silly to say one's going to definitely win. Definitely win, yeah. You it's, just can't with these two. It's fighting at the end of the day, mate. You know, we yeah. talk about it all the time. You know, anything can happen. Um, for me, it's McGregor. I think he's going to go on and he's probably going to win the lightweight title or he's going to at least fight for the lightweight title. I'd be very interested to see who he fights for it, for me. Um, yeah. Because I don't think Khabib wants to fight him again for whatever reason. I don't yeah. think he's interested in that fight. I think Khabib would fight Dan Hooker. I think Khabib would fight um, Chandler. I think Khabib would probably fight Tony Ferguson, he'd probably fight Dustin Poirier. Charles Oliveira, he's mentioned. I don't think he wants to fight Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor wants, if he decides he wants that title, they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. Yeah. I don't think Habib but... uh, yeah, will be going over old ground. I just don't think he wants to do it, as, so I don't, especially as he's already said that he's retiring. He won't come back to do something that he's done before. They did. They have started exchanging insults again, which I, you know, is always a, a sign that maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe. Um, yeah. I would be. I would love to see Justin Gaethje versus Conor McGregor. I've got to be honest. That would be very, very That's good. That's the match. one for me. Or even Ferguson yeah. versus McGregor. Although mm. uh, Ferguson at the moment, I'm not so sure. But uh, Dan Hooker versus McGregor. Yeah, maybe. if McGregor wins, if Ferguson doesn't make sense because you know he's lost his last. You know, two, so I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but he? yeah. McGregor would gain nothing by fighting him after he's had two losses in a row. It's yeah, hard to be putting a feather um, in your cap at this time. Yeah, 
I think Gaethje is probably the one fight outside of the title which we might yeah. interest in. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, that's the show. That's the UFC. That's our live special. Just because uh, we didn't want to talk about them on Sunday. Thank you for everyone <laughs> who's joined joined us and commented. Thank you for the super chats. And um, we'll be back obviously next Wednesday. We'll have a new show out with our special guest. We'll be talking all things Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, plus the latest news and everything else. Um, subscribe to youtubecom nation for uh, all our latest shows. I, we, I am back live tomorrow night with Super Kevin McNaughton for Super Kevin Scripted Live, episode number six. Always a fun time. This one is completely different to everything else we do. Um, basically, we just do, we get some drinks in, we have uh, a load of would you rather questions, we have people set the subject, we talk about whatever comes up, whether it's Kev's career, football, whatever we want to talk about, whatever people ask us to talk about, and we just have a good laugh take our minds off uh, lockdown and COVID and everything for an hour or so. Uh, and then Friday, we're back with the Andy Campbell Championship Show. 7 o'clock, as usual. Join us. Until then, Danny, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, as yeah. Always. Thank you, Sight. It's been great. And, and thank you, people who tuned in to take, and take time out to listen to us old folk chatter Indeed. about UFC. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> old, mate. I'm not old, mate. i got a baseball cap. That makes me <laughs> Makes me young. It's not to hide my horrendous lockdown haircut, which I did to myself. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Indeed. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Tune in next Wednesday for the next episode of Danny Batten Fight Show. But check out all the other shows on Ace Podcast Nation. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Spread the word. And, of course, you can download the audio version at all the usual podcast platforms. Uh, just search Ace Podcast Nation and you'll see a load of episodes of Danny Batten, Andy Campbell, interviews, exclusive interviews, actors, all sorts of stuff, conspiracy theories, serial killers, just everything you could possibly think of. If you join me tomorrow night live, Super Kevin scripted, you don't have to be a football fan, just come and join us and have a good laugh. Um, thank you, people. Thank you, Danny. Good night. Thank you. Podcast Network.